Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with um, Adele Lyons. She has such a good finger on the pulse to what's happening in the bu- uh, business community here in coastal Mississippi. Now we're going to switch gears and go to my friend Jeff Duncan with The Athletic. He's written about the Saints longer than anyone else on earth. He happens to be now coming to me live from the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Ricky. I'm doing great. Uh, beautiful day here uh, at the golf tournament. So we're hoping, fingers crossed, that the weather stays this way for the rest of the week. You wrote a great piece. We're going to get back. We're going to come back to uh, some interesting. Uh, the golfing companions that Sean Payton has had. We'll come back to that in a second. But the headline on the piece you wrote was Rising Stars, Walk-Up Songs, and Three-Legged Gators. The Zurich Classic Classic is one of a kind. It is one of a kind, isn't it, buddy? Yeah, it's a unique event out here uh, on the PGA Tour. It's a team event. And uh, the players, you talk to them, Ricky, uh, really love coming to New Orleans. The, obviously, the food. Uh, it's more of a laid-back atmosphere than the regular grind of the traditional PGA Tour. You get to play with a teammate, so it's kind of a, there's a camaraderie aspect to this event. And uh, it's kind of a forerunner to the Ryder Cup later in the year and the President's Cup, some of the team events later on the schedule. So for the players, it's a, it's a healthy, fun diversion from the intensity of the uh, weekly PGA Tour. So who are some of the people that you've uh, come in contact with in terms of players? Well, they've got five of the top ten in the world here, nine of the top 20. So, like, John Rahm is out playing right now. Uh, He's number three in the world. Won this event two years ago uh, with his teammate. And uh, he is an incredible player. He's playing right now in a pro-am with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They're all out there together. So, they've got a pretty healthy gallery out there following them right now. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch an elite player like John Rahm interact with Drew Brees, who's an elite player in another sport. You can see the mutual respect they have uh, on the on the playing surface. Well, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's it's going to be playing on Friday morning. So for people who, uh, you know, it's important to note that just because you're at an event that's unfolding, and uh, you're doing the pro am now, but. Boy, the weather, the weather today is just incredible. I mean, I mean, they're used to it being kind of a little bit hot and steamy, even this time of year. Nice little cool blast coming through right now. I guess the wind is probably a factor, huh? Yeah, wind's a big time factor. If you've ever played this course, the TPC of Louisiana, uh, it, for, for the professional players, the PGA players, they can pretty much tear it up on a lot of the holes unless the wind's blowing like it is today. Then it plays very difficult. And uh, players talked about that. The greens have been reseeded here in the two years since the last time they played, so it's lightning fast. And let's keep our fingers crossed. I think Friday night, so tonight when people are watching this, that's when the weather's supposed to roll in here, maybe even compromise Saturday's round. But it looks like Sunday's going to be really nice uh, for the closing round. So let's hope it stays away. I bet in the wind it can be a unforgiving course. 
It, it, well, it is because these greens have so much undulation and so many bunkers around them that your approach shot is critical here. You've got to be able to place the ball in the right spot on the green. Uh, and if you don't, it's a Pete Dye design course. Uh, it can be unforgiving. And I think the score is if the wind stays the way it is, I don't think they're going to be as high as they've been in past years because of the renovations on the course. It's a little new to some of the players and these weather conditions. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more laid back. They probably enjoying their time in New Orleans a little bit more than they normally would, but it's still a PGA event and it's serious competition, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing that players like is they come out here, they have intense competition, which is, let's face it, that's how these guys are wired. But then they can go enjoy New Orleans at night. They love, a lot of these guys are big time foodies. They love the food scene here. Uh, some of them like to go down to the casinos. They like enjoy gambling. So it's just different than any other event. Most PGA events are out at some country club out in the middle of, uh, you know, suburbs or something. This has a unique aspect to it. Players rent houses around here. They can get with their caddies and their playing partner. They might get a big house with, uh, with four of them. So there's just a different feel to it than, than the other events. And there's also a lot of great of the top restaurants here on the grounds at the tournament that they can partake in the food as well. So uh, just a really fun atmosphere. And when the weather's nice, it really doesn't get much better. I, I know it doesn't. So uh, I have Sean Payton and uh, Drew Brees golfing with Ron today. Sean Payton was with Taysom Hill yesterday. That's got to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, we're going to talk to Drew Brees in a little while, and uh, I think I'm going to ask him who he's picking in the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston uh, quarterback competition. I know he'll defer. Yeah, of course he will. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know he will. But I'm looking forward to asking him it anyway because I'm going to try and get him ready for his analyst role at NBC. You can't be, you know, head hedging anymore. You can't walk the fence. You've got to actually – make a stand so i'm looking forward to kind of teasing him about that i know he'll be diplomatic as always but let me tell you something ricky drew Brees can play i mean you, you wouldn't be surprised by that right he's an elite athlete uh he's got great swing and Taysom hill holy cow yesterday he was 350 yards off the tee crushing the ball straight as an arrow big time athlete as well <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me on either one of those guys? But it was interesting that Peyton and uh, Taysom essentially said all the right things, right? I mean, they just they're they're towing the party line on the strength of the room and what they what they had to work with for this coming uh, season, don't aren't they? Yeah, and that's what you would expect from them right now. I mean, they know it's all going to be decided in the fall. And I think they genuinely are looking forward to it. I think Taysom Hill's looking forward to the competition with Jameis Winston. And there could be another element added into the mix. Now, Sean Payton said yesterday that quarterback is not a top priority in the draft. But that doesn't mean they won't take a guy if he's there and the value's there. I just was talking to Jeff Ireland and Mickey Loomis on the on the course. They're out following Breeze and Payton. They've been grinding away, Ricky, for a full week now on the draft board. Mickey said they would have it done by Sunday. So the entire scouting department's out here right now, taking a break from this grind of draft preparation for a couple hours just to come out and, and watch Breeze and Peyton play and support them. So it's kind of fun to see them all out there. Well, you and I talked about Jeff Ireland before, but man, are we lucky to have that guy, aren't we? Yeah, and this is when his this is his time to shine. And I asked him kiddingly, I said, could you give me an, a scouting evaluation of 
of this Sean Payton guy out here on the golf course, and he said he was probably not even a draftable prospect. <laughs> he said he might make it as a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Pelicans have been frustrating. We'll go to that next, but anything else on the Saints before we shift gears? No, look, I, I think it's going to be an exciting draft. I think there's a lot of uncertainty for this draft. And I think the Saints uh, clearly uh, feel good about it because of their confidence in Jeff Ireland and the scouting department. I think it gives them an edge because of what they do. Uh, so we'll see how this thing plays out. But you know they're going to be aggressive, as they always are. It's going to be so so interesting to see. So coming to uh, to the Pelicans, man. You know, I guess the only good news out the last couple of days is probably Zion shoe. Are you going to buy one? I don't think I can afford them. <laughs> I towed in. I think three hundred fifty or something like that. I towed in. Yeah. Look at this shoe. It's a pretty cool shoe, man. I think I'm going to buy it. She says, "Well, how much is that?" I said, "I think three hundred fifty. She said, "No." <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, it speaks to just how popular he is at age twenty. That he's already got his own signature shoe. Uh, it shows you what he means to Nike and Jordan Brand uh, that they signed him on. Uh, they don't do that for just anybody. And I think it speaks to his popularity and how many fans he already has. And uh, look, I was at the game on Wednesday night, another disappointing game, and they played the Brooklyn Nets, who are one of the top teams in the league, might win the NBA championship. But they were playing them without James Harden and Kevin Durant and really had a chance to win that game like they have so many others so far. And they just can't finish these games down the stretch. But Brooklyn just put the ball in the hands of Kyrie Irving, and he's an elite player too, and he, he made the plays. This team, you can tell, has the ability to play with these top teams, but they just don't know quite how to win yet. And that's frustrating. I've been <clears throat> I've been following your tweets on it. Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of the game, I could tell that you were excited, but then – I think uh, one of their players made a made a, a dunk over two of our players, and it caught your attention, and you said no one expected that. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how it did. And, the, and, you know, they had a decent crowd there, Ricky. Um, I think they still got a lot of support. People are hopeful that they can sneak into the playoffs. But it, with each game, it's slipping away from them. There's only 14 games left in the season, and they're now four games back. So that's a lot of games to make up to try and get that. And, and this is an expanded playoff format. We have yeah. 10 teams. So it would be disappointing if they don't make it. And I think it would be a very busy offseason if they don't. Uh, they've got to get some momentum back into the uh, club, into the franchise, uh, because they've got an elite talent here in, in Zion Williamson who's putting up incredible numbers. And my story on him is going to run next week. Now, The Athletic, I'm really looking forward for people to read it and learn a little more about him as a person, not just a basketball player. Yeah, I think, and what you have said to me before is that the fact that he's 20 years old and has his own uh, sneaker now is a real testament to the fact that he's predictable. Because you normally with a 20-year-old, I, I don't know if you're going to be you know, jumping on him so quick with that kind of a contract opportunity, but he is a leader, and and he he's, he projects everything that you would expect to see in someone who's going to be in this league for a long time as a role model. And uh, and I'm sure that's what you're we'll, – actually, we'll get kind of the headline on your story when we come back. This is Jeff Duncan from The Athletic, and we're, we're just talking about everything sports. We'll be back after this break. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan with us today from The Athletic. He's actually live from the Zurich Classic. So many interesting stories surrounding that. We're actually recording this on Wednesday. It's going to play on Friday, so that's why we don't have some of the results uh, of the Zurich. But the uh, the Pro-Am is going on as we speak, and a lot of interesting subtext to all of that. But when we went to break, we were talking about your story on Zion. I look forward to reading it because you know, he is a very unique player. He's not only a, just an absolute stud basketball player, but he's going to be a leader in the league. All indications are this guy has the character, the ability to be one of those figures that will be here for many, many, many years to come. Yeah, the way he's wired, I think, is pretty special. Uh, I think when you trip these truly great transcendent athletes, uh, they have a combination of things, Ricky. I mean, Drew Brees, of course, uh, is incredible on the field and incredible off the field. Uh, I think you have to have both those elements to truly rise to the top of your profession and your given field. And I think Zion's got that. He's got the mental makeup, the maturity for a 20-year-old, uh, things that are important matter to him. He's got his priorities right, and he treats people the way he would like them to treat him. It's the golden rule, right? It seems so simple, but it's often difficult to practice at the professional sports level because our celebrity-obsessed culture just kind of makes uh, for a sense of entitlement for so many players. That is not the case with Zion. He's truly a humble young man, cares about family, really kind of a homebody. I mean, the, the people with the Pelicans say, you don't have to worry about him getting out on the party scene in New Orleans. There's no temptation there. Uh, so he, I think he's wired perfectly to be the guy to step up now that Drew Brees is, is kind of you know, left the throne as the greatest sports icon in the city. And I think uh, Zion will do that once they start winning at a high level on the court. So, Jeff, I want to shift gears in the short time we have left. Last time we mentioned this, but you've written about it. And for people in coastal Mississippi who think about Katrina, the Ninth Ward, especially the lower Ninth Ward, tends to come to mind because so much played out there in the wake of Katrina. But in a lot of ways, the Ninth Ward of New Orleans, the, the, the challenges in that community, the challenges to recover, unemployment, there's so many things that are happening there that are sort of the symbol of the challenges that New Orleans as a, as a region has. And for those of us who've been there for any length of time, we were aware of this effort to build a stadium in the Ninth Ward. And there were a lot of... <laughs> There was a foundation, and there was you know allegations, and anyway, long story short, it kind of got off the tracks. It's back on the tracks now because of really good leadership, and you're writing about it. And why is this an important conversation? Well, look, I think there's a lot of reasons. One, uh, it's desperately needed in this city. Uh, where I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, every high school had their own football stadium. I was amazed when I got to New Orleans in 1999 to find out the public schools ought to share stadiums because there's just not enough land on some of the campuses to support a football stadium. And especially in the eastern part of the city, there's really no stadium over there. Joe Brown has a stadium. It's very small, outdated. So for Carver, which is one of the traditional schools, I mean, they traditionally produce great football programs. Marshall Falk, Hall of Famer, went to, went to Carver. And they have 
to share a stadium and drive on a bus halfway across the city. And, and really, sometimes you might play on a Thursday night or a Saturday night or Friday night. There's no traditional Friday night games. They need a stadium in that part of the city. And I think it would be a great uh, source of pride uh, if they had a really nice stadium that could be a, a you know an anchor for the community. It's one of the few areas, if you've been to Carver's campus, that has a lot of land around it, unused land. So there's there's a perfect spot to put the stadium. I think it could help uh, be an economic generator for the community because other events could be held there. There's just a lot of positives. I don't see any downside to it. And I think it'd be a shot in the arm for the kids at Carver and for the Desire community that got just devastated by the floodwaters of Katrina, that whole area. Uh, some parts of it still haven't come back, Ricky. We're talking over 15 years now. So uh, there's a lot of reasons, I think, that, that to have momentum to build this stadium. It shows, it shows that the city cares about that part of the community. And exactly. Ernie Philco came in, and he's got a long history of success. And uh, things have really gotten back on track as a result of his leadership, hasn't it? Yeah, and he's, he's recruited a great board. You know, Deuce McAllister's on that board, uh, some former uh, city council people in the city. Uh, a lot of, and no one's getting paid. All the money is going to be kept in a private fund and managed by a third party. Uh, they're not going to spend a dime. They're just there to raise the money and hand the project off to Carver High School and Orleans Parish Schools. Uh, and I think it's a really worthy, worthwhile project. And I think uh, they are going to raise that money. I think they think it needs to be around $5 million to build that stadium. I think they're going to get it. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be involved. And I think the Sugar Bowl will be involved. It's right up their alley, Ricky, in terms of yeah. support for the local sports scene. It makes a lot of sense. So let's see, hope this dream comes becomes a reality down the road. Yeah, the Sugar Bowl has a very active foundation, and it's part of the, part of their clearing call over all these years. And it's great to hear the Saints would be involved, but it's important to the city. And uh, anything like this, it's always interesting to talk about it, and you bring such an interesting perspective because you know this region's we're all in this together. We want us all to do well, and if New Orleans didn't come back and New Orleans doesn't continue to improve, it affects our region, and people need to need to you know, always be reminded of that. But anyway, Jeff Duncan. Thanks for coming to us live from the Jurek Classic today and the insights you've been able to bring. It's always fun to, to visit with you and have a great weekend. Thank you, Ricky. Next week, the NFL drafts. Look forward to talking to you then and we'll be a lot to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll have some, some plays already be, being made that we can already talk about. So we'll see you after that, buddy. Thanks, be good. Right, have a great weekend. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.